0: KHDK on this Wednesday, October 6th. Preseason game number two will be coming your way here later this evening on Sports 1140 K-H-T-K as the Kings will be taking on the Clippers. We hope you uh, look forward to our coverage. We'll have it for you as we have each and every Kings game here on your home of the Kings, Sports 1140. Our coverage will begin at 7. We actually have game night at 6. So we've got three hours coming your way here and plenty of guests today on the show. It's Wednesday we always catch up with Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. It's a good fe- a weekend of college football games coming up and a- another interesting weekend of the NFL, uh, including that Sunday night matchup. Man, that one's going to be great. Bills and Chiefs, we will talk about that one with Chris. And then the NFC West showcasing again, starting tomorrow with the Thursday night game. And you have the undefeated Cardinals taking on the Niners on the weekend. But tomorrow it's the Rams and the Seahawks. So a lot of good NFL action coming up. And we will discuss that with Chris Landry. That will be at 5 o'clock. Uh, at 4 o'clock, also another weekly visit with another regular, Lincoln Kennedy. What went wrong with the Raiders on Monday night? Lincoln will address that with us when he joins us in about one hour from now. we we'll get the very latest on, on the Raiders. And, uh, of course, they will be in action on Sunday as well. You'll be able to hear that here on KHK when they take on the Chicago Bears. There's some news about the Bears we will be addressing here in the next three hours as well. And certainly coming up on First Things First. And, oh, by the way, the baseball playoffs started yesterday. They continue today with the National League wild card game. And Giants fans, uh, they'll be watching that one for sure to see who the next opponent will be. And there's, I know there's got to be mixed emotions for the Giants because, you know, as a competitor... And as a fan of the Giants, don't you want to take out the Dodgers? I mean, how great would that be? But you're also very nervous because, yeah, you had a record-setting season. They're one game behind you, and they're a really good team, and they're defending World Series champions, and they're favored to win tonight. Doesn't mean they will, but they're home. They get the Cardinals. You'd also look at a Cardinal team that had to win 17 games at the end of the year, basically, to get in, but they did that. So, Giants will be watching that. We'll have updates for you when that gets going, and we'll look back at last night's American League wildcard game as well. We'll wrap things up uh, before we get out of here at 6 for the crossover, and we are coming to you from Golden 1 Center. No home game tonight. The Kings are on the road, but we'll be broadcasting the game from here, kind of how we had to do um, last year and a half plus, right, during COVID, just broadcasting the games remotely. It's a unique time. Um, we're getting closer and closer to kind of back to normalcy. It was so great the other night to be here and have fans, And as expected. I mean, it's not the regular season yet, but they'll be full house here soon, and it's going to be a lot of fun to see this team grow this season. So that's kind of where the table is set for you today. Lots of things for us to discuss, including what to watch for in tonight's Kings game. But before we get to any of that, let's start you out with First Things First.
1: First Things First. Best. 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 Best.
0: All right, let's start with the Kings and the Clippers tonight from Los Angeles. Let's listen how it uh, started in the preseason for the Kings the other night.
2: Mitchell on the right angle, screen and roll with Thompson. Now hesitates, drive, twisting, reverse, score, the basket. Boy, that's a heady take right there by the rookie who now has seven points. Lead back to 17 at 82-65.
0: Yeah, we saw three guard lineups. We saw the rookie, Davion Mitchell. We saw some new faces up front specifically, and tonight, it's the second preseason game. What are the what are the different adjustments? What are the different lineups we're going to see tonight? What does Luke Walton and the coaching staff want to get out of game number two? I think we saw a lot of good things, certainly in a preseason game number one. We say it, and we'll continue to say it for how many of our years we're doing this. I don't really care if the Kings win in the preseason. I don't. It's how do they look? How is their execution? I know that was Henry's keys the other night. I think he was spot on with that. I mean, as much as seeing the new faces, you want to see how they fit and they gel and it'd be great to see the team thrive in the preseason as far as the record but it doesn't carry over what carries over is how you're playing how you're meshing your principles that you've been working on in training camp Uh, whatever your defensive schemes are whatever your offensive sets and game plans are, are you running those effectively and which groupings are doing it better I think that's what you try to figure out in the preseason and the obvious statement of the preseason is get through it at full health, and the Kings right now, knock on wood, are a healthy team, and you hope that continues, and then that gives you your best chance to have your best season. And we know the West is loaded; the NBA is just good. There's a lot of good teams, and there'll be times this year when the Kings, no matter what their record is, at what time of year, will a team with a lesser record will come in, and you'll think, "Oh, good, easy night." That's that's just not the way the league works. You guys have all followed it long enough. There's no gimmies. Even the Knights where it looks oh, too daunting, I don't think they could beat this team. Well, then the Kings do. It's All things are possible. It's, it's about believing in what you're doing in your roster construction and then going out and executing it consistently. And I think we look at a team this year and other parallels. We try to do it mostly in the NBA regarding the Kings. But the Giants is another example. Baseball team, right? What do the Giants do well? A lot of things they weren't. The best pitching staff in the league, but they were really good. Had a good bullpen, hit with power, uh, hit for well. Nobody hits for average anymore. Uh, defended well, um, had late game heroics. They just kind of sliced off all the different ways to win a game, and they would do it. So no one thought they were the best team coming in. I know I didn't, but they found that way to do that. And so when you can kind of find the best version of your team, that's that's when you got something. And I, I think the Kings have left us the last couple of years going. I see flashes. I see some good things, but they haven't consistently had their best version of themselves throughout a year. So we'll see what preseason game number two has in store tonight, as it's the Kings and the Clippers. All right, more first things first. First things
2: first. first, things first.
0: first. All right, that game is in Los Angeles. Also in Los Angeles, it's the Dodgers and these guys, the Cardinals.
1: Swing and a. Drive into left
2: center field. That's deep. And it's gone! Home run, Arenado Into the Brewers' bullpen!
0: Well, the Cardinals became baseball's hottest team, at least at the very end of the season. But really, you could look at the Giants and the Dodgers as hot teams as the, the season ended. They were just consistently good all year long. Mariners got hot at the end. Blue Jays got hot at the end. But the Cardinals got hot and got in and positioned themselves to what they wanted their lineup to be for today, for today's game against the Dodgers, it'll be Wainwright uh, versus Scherzer. And last night didn't give us the um, pitching that we expected, at least from the Yankees' side of things. With Garrett Cole, Ivaldi was good, but if last night showed us anything, walks. Oh my goodness, so detrimental it was certainly to the Yankees. So, what are the mistakes going to be? We'll highlight the big hits, the home runs, but is it a is it a pitch mistake? Is it a managerial mistake? Uh, A base running mistake. You can argue uh, the Yankees' best chance to really come back in that game was an aggressive play when Judge got sent home but thrown out at home. What a swing. I mean, that's a big, big play, a big, big out, and it kept the lead at 3-1. What would it have been like if it was 3-2 at that moment with just one out and a runner on second? So it's those kind of plays, those swings, very small turning points can happen in these baseball games and the fact that it's one game. The Dodgers are better. I don't think that's even much of a debate, but it's one night. It is one night. If I'm a Dodger fan, I feel good about my team. I feel good about Scherzer being on the mound. You have the last at bat. Um I wish Muncie, if I was a Dodger fan, was there and fully a full complement of their of their roster, but you have to believe in them playing well at the end. I know the Cardinals have kind of been postseason killers of the Dodgers in the past. And they've got, they're kind of that it team that always finds a way. I think it's going to be a good game. And that's what it should be. We're at the best 10, the final 10. Well, now down to nine, now that the Yankees are out. This is a good setup. It's a good matchup. It gives us good drama. And it sets up what the Giants are waiting for next because they won 107. They're not in that spot. Just one more win than the Dodgers. And yeah, by the end of tonight, we could see a 106 win team out or. Get a Dodgers Giants matchup that I think will be filled with anxiety uh, for for both sides. Great drama, good baseball. That would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. So tonight we'll figure out who that next team is to advance in baseball's postseason. All right, let's go. More first things first.
2: First things first. first, things first.
0: Well, the first team that advanced, these guys, the Boston Red Sox. Fly ball
2: right center field. Renfro is there and calling. He makes the catch, and the Red Sox move on. The Red Sox advance to the American League Division Series against Tampa Bay, and they eliminate the New York Yankees with a 6-2 win, and they're mobbing each other by the pitcher's mound.
0: There we go. We've talked about baseball celebrations. You win a division, you you pop the champagne. You get in on a wild card, you pop the champagne, you're in the wild card game, and you win. More time to celebrate. Baseball leads the league in celebrations in all leagues, and Boston should celebrate. I mean, what a night for them to jump onto the Yankees early, to never trail, to really only be threatened maybe once or twice, maybe once in the game to chase Garrett Cole through two innings. They exercise so many demons. Not of a, of a lifetime, but just the way it had gone the last couple of weeks of the season when the Yankees went into Fenway and played so well. Um, they were worried about Judge and Stanton, who both got a couple of hits in the game, and Stanton had three hits. You could argue could have had three home runs, but they got through all of that and establishing the lead early, getting two in the first, scoring next again to make it 3-0 before the Yankees got on the board and just kept adding on, and it made it a low-stress fun-filled party like outcome for the home team. And Boston was the better team last night, no doubt about that, and that's where we're talking about the one game scenario. Yankees uh Garrett Cole coming in wasn't pitching particularly well in September. There was some talk about a injury to his hamstring. Well, that doesn't matter. He opted to take the ball, he opted to go. Aaron Boone opted to pitch him. And he didn't he wasn't as dynamic, didn't have the swing and miss stuff. And I talked about it earlier about walks in baseball are always the killer. And I think last night was the perfect example of that. Just seven walks derailed so many different things for the Yankees. And then Boston made the Yankees pay. I think and you're Yanke-
1: forgetting another reason why the Yankees lost.
0: What was that, Chris? You. I I didn't play. You jinxed them. Uh, not at all. Yeah, you did. No, no such thing. Should
1: I uh, refresh your
0: memory? Oh, I know, I remember what happened, but there's no such thing as that. Should
1: we let the listeners decide? Sure. Okay, so this was yesterday during the broadcast.
2: Oh, forget about it!
0: Where are you there?
1: What's that? little early there.
0: Oh, there's a leadoff hit. Not a leadoff hit. I thought that was gone. I will be honest with you. I thought that was gone. And you
1: just jinxed the uh, Yankees.
0: I jinxed the game with that? Mm-hmm. Stanton hit one off the green monster. Trigger fingers. For a single. He didn't even get a double out of that. got to run that out. <laughs> he looked at it. He definitely thought it was gone. He went deep. Two run shot. Dead center? Yeah. Yeah. Well hit. 2 nothing. Red Sox after one. And Fenway was on fire. I told you. What?
1: You got uh, happy fingers.
0: Well, that's not why they're down 2 nothing. That's exactly why they're down 2 nothing.
1: Okay, so it's over. It's over. Okay. O-V-A-O-V-A. O-V-A. We shall see. So. So there it is. Would you like to uh, apologize to Yankee Nation?
0: No, no. I think, uh, do we have the Yankees call again of the, what gave me the trigger finger uh, yesterday? If you have that, I'd love to hear that again. As painful as it was,
2: to Stanton. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. That is God out of the ballpark. A Stantonian home run. Now, what did what did I do wrong? What did I see wrong? He's at first base.
1: Yeah, I, that's the call of the postseason. Oh,
0: man. That's brutal, isn't it, Chris? I mean, that is rough. I feel badly for him. I know Stan thought it was gone, um, but uh, that's so bad. That is so rough to have that not go out. And uh, the Yankees never, never got the lead, never led in the game. Boston goes on to win. They move on. They get tamped. But that's going to be a really tough matchup for them. But they're in it. That's all that matters in the Yankee season is, as Chris said, is it OVA? OVA. OVA. It is OVA for the Yankees. I look forward to, by the way, you, hopefully you guys enjoyed those Sounders uh, that we played that I misfired on one. Um, we had a couple of times. I know at least once we were able to play Boston. Coming up later, uh, you've created Sounders today, correct, Chris, for uh, St. Louis and for the Dodgers? I did. Okay. Cardinals so was we, tough. So. The Cardinals was tough? Yeah. All right. Well, um, we'll we'll, have, we'll wait on those. Does, well, you know what? I want to I want to hear them now. I want to hear it early before we get to the start of the game. Uh, you tell me which sounder. Well, since the Cardinals are the road team, they'll have the first plate appearance. Um, if something were to go well on the top of the first, what would you fire?
2: Pretty bird. Yeah. Can you say pretty bird? Pretty bird.
0: Okay, I did get that movie reference. I don't know if anyone else out there did, but, yeah, it's good use of the Cardinals. Pretty bird. Dumb and Dumber, correct? Correct. Okay, and then uh, the Dodgers, if uh, if something goes well for them, we want to alert everybody like a little stinger, sound bite. hey, everybody, something went well for the Dodgers, what are we going to play?
1: So I actually have two for them. Okay. So here's the first one.
0: All right, Hamilton.
1: <laughs> Spicoli, okay. And the second one.
2: That was my skull. I'm so wasted.
0: Nice. Nice. Okay. So we have those to look forward to. Um, when is it? Uh, let's see. Friday's show, Chris. I think we're going to have the day where there's four games, and they're not all going on at the same time. But it's, it's really going to test your uh, your expertise on creating the sounder. So yeah, we look I'm forward. already thinking about it. <laughs> Good. I'm already looking forward to that. All right, let's get you more. First things first. First things first. Close things close. Close. All right, let's go next to a move today in baseball. This is not a surprise at all. The San Diego Padres have moved on from their manager. Jay Stingler is out. They're going to be looking for a new manager. And to me, this is all about the second half of the season. Without a doubt, this completely fell apart on the San Diego Padres' And I remember I found this clip that we aired oh several weeks back, sometime in September, maybe early September, when it was already going south in the Padres. And Tingler was being asked about whether or not he had lost the clubhouse.
2: I don't think I've, I've lost the clubhouse. Ultimately, we haven't played the way uh, that that I think we're, we're capable of. And and you know, let me, let me start with this: is as the manager, ultimately, I'm responsible for uh the players' performances. And uh I take the, the, the responsibility, you know, on. Um I don't look to point the finger anywhere else. I start with myself. I do think we're 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 capable of uh playing better. And but at the end of the day I, I don't believe I've lost the clubhouse. I believe a lot in our guys. Uh I have from day one uh I have throughout the offseason spring training and in, in season. It's a group that, as frustrating as it is at times, to to not play to our potential, it's still a group that I love, that I believe in.
0: I can't answer whether or not they lost the club, but the team just played hideous baseball in the second half of the season. They were one of the worst teams in the second half, or post-All-Star break. They just couldn't do anything right. And this was a team that was not only supposed to threaten uh, to win the division, certainly push the Dodgers, if not beat the Dodgers, maybe win the division be a, or at least a wild card team. They see the Giants go flying right past them and their post All-Star break record was well below 500. I mean, this team completely floundered and I don't I didn't see that coming and you had Tatis there, Machado, all the things that this team had done before and they had become kind of the darlings of baseball. And then it completely fell apart. And I think there's no doubt this was the right move, um, whether or not you agree with it or not. It just You knew San Diego was going to do it. They have to do something different. They had invested in the team in the past. Remember at the break or near the trade deadline, they thought they were getting uh, Max Scherzer. Instead, the Dodgers sweep in there and get Scherzer and Trey Turner. The Padres finished 79 and 83. That team, four games below 500, 28 games out of first that's a, that's incredible um, I, I just did not see that coming from them and it was completely disappointing and so now you look at we mentioned the Mets being a good job that's now open I think San Diego's a good job that's open and the the name that I'm gonna keep saying that makes the most sense bring him back it's Boch that's the job if he wants to manage again He did in San Diego. He did in San Francisco. He's a great manager. I think he can handle that personnel down there, and that would be a good fit if he wants to do it. We've seen Tony La Russa come back and manage after years off. Boach, he hasn't been out that long. Um, We know he's still gifted in in that department and give him a good roster around him. That's what I'd do if I was running the Padres. I'd go right to Boach and say, what will it take for you to guide this team? We've got a good division now with the Giants, the Dodgers. We think as Padres, we're ahead of the Rockies in Arizona. So, Boach, what will it take to get you back here? And I think that's the move. I think that's the move that San Diego needs to look at. All right, let's give you more First Things First.
1: First Things First. First Things First.
0: All right, here's one that I'm not disagreeing with this being the right move, but it's a little bit curious because back and forth, the Chicago Bears have gone on their starting quarterback. Before the season, uh, Matt Nagy, very, very adamant that it was going to be Andy Dalton. Uh, Fields was not ready. Dalton was experienced and ready to go. He mm, was okay, got injured, so out of necessity, of course, you have to play Justin Fields. But it was said that they were going to go with Andy Dalton when he's back and healthy. Well, today, Justin Fields has been named the starting quarterback for the Bears going forward. So he's got the job. It's his until it's not. And at that point, the reason it wouldn't be is either just brutally bad performance or an injury. So it looks like the Bears are being turned over to Justin Fields. That should excite Bears fans. That's what they've wanted. And, you know, the other teams that already committed to that, like Jacksonville and the Jets, said, yeah, we draft these guys. High. They're a they're guy. Niners haven't done it yet, and we get, we get why. The Bears were the tweener team that aren't bad, they aren't good. So what are you going to do? What gives you the best chance? Well, they feel it's Justin Fields? Let's rewind, though, a little bit. Hear from Matt Nagy back, this also back in September, talking about his quarterbacks.
2: After seeing Andy Dalton live, I think what Bears fans want to know is what does Dalton give you that at this point Justin Fields does not? Well, that's a good question. I understand it. Uh, But when you look back and you say, and after you're able to watch the tape and see where you're at, you you know that... um, you know, we talked about, and I, I brought it up in regards to producing and scoring touchdowns and, and winning, and so we're always evaluating that. But I thought that Andy did a pretty good job yesterday of being able to,
0: um,
2: you know, get the ball out to guys where he needed to in certain situations. I, I You look back and the biggest, the biggest error that he had was that interception to start the game, and sometimes those can be big ones because that's a momentum deal right on third down. So, um, you know, without getting into – the, the comparisons too much. I just think that
0: right now, when we're evaluating Andy, that I thought he did uh, a good job of being able to put us in, in good situations, and then using Justin when we did, Justin did well too. All right, here's how I look at this situation. To me, Matt Nagy's on the hot seat. There's no doubt about that. The Bears fans don't love him as their coach. Uh, he got them. They got to the playoffs last year. They're not a great. They're in that middle ground. They're not terrible. They're not a bad team. They're not a great team, though, either. And so if you're on the hot seat and you're the coach, your job is to put your team in the best position to win. Really, that's no matter where you are. And my true feeling on this, my opinion, is that Matt Nagy thought his best chance to win the most amount of games to really secure his job, keep his job, was to play Andy Dalton. Now, that's not popular amongst fans. We know that. Fans are ready to move on. They want the new shiny object, and Dalton hadn't been there. At all, but that's not a sexy name to add to your experienced quarterback list. Though he's been a fine quarterback in the NFL, nothing spectacular, but he's more than serviceable. But Matt Nagy said this gives us the best chance. And now, one, he's been injured. Two, we've seen a little bit of Justin Fields. And I think more importantly, not just the fans, not talk radio, not uh, social media, not whatever they're saying about Matt Nagy. What is ownership? What are the the people above Matt Nagy, the ultimate people that have? his job on the line that hold him accountable, maybe they are forcing him to say, you know what, let's do it. Let's play the young guy. And so if you're given the latitude to make the decision and your decision is Andy Dalton and now you switch, I think other people are pushing the strings there. And so to keep the job for however long that is, do what management says, he's going to do it. It might be, in the end, what's best for him and for the organization anyway. And We saw a little bit of what Justin Fields is capable of doing. There's going to be more bumps in the road. That's what happens when you just get started in sports' most difficult position. And look for the Raiders this week to try to trick up the defense and and make it something that Justin Fields hasn't seen to date. And we'll ask Lincoln Kennedy about that when he joins us at 4, specifically about this matchup and how he expects the Raiders to approach going against Justin Fields because I think there is an opportunity here to take advantage of that lack of experience and that's all you can do is go through it and fields will be better for all of this he just has to live it and go through it which is not an easy thing all right let's get you more first things first
1: first things first First first.
0: First. well yesterday on the show we kind of came in with some news that was a little bit surprising from adam schefter announcing that the cowboys had released one of their key pieces to the defense seemingly um jalen smith Today, wake up in the morning and another tweet from Schefter saying that the Patriots are going to release Stephon Gilmore. Now, movement happened after that. I don't know if that was throwing that out there to see what kind of action could happen. And they got action, but what? Kind of a head scratcher here. Stephon Gilmore, who's been on the injured list and is a really talented defensive back, was traded today. So instead of being released, he was traded to Carolina for a future sixth rounder, there's going to be more on this for sure, and more has to be uncovered on this. Carolina, good for them. I'd have done it. I when it happened, I'm thinking, oh man, Niners, Raiders, lots of teams, Packers, uh, Steelers. Who, who's going to jump in here and get somebody? And what cost is it going to be? A sixth rounder, I was floored by that. And you know, I know he's in the final year of a deal, maybe that's part of this. But I just think Carolina, who before last week was the number one defense, they dropped to number two, adding him, that's that's smart in a division that, you know, the Saints are generally pass happy. Falcons aren't great, but Matt Ryan, that is the strength if they have one. And then certainly Tom Brady, defending Super Bowl champs and the leading passer of all time. Put Gilmore out there, who would know Brady very well. So bold move. I say bold really low risk if you're the carolina panthers let's say he doesn't return to carolina it's okay got him for the rest of this year for a sixth rounder i'd have done it made a lot of sense uh hopefully bill belichick at some point will explain it and mumble his way through it and wonder why they did this but it, it couldn't have strictly been on his injury and contract terms i feel like there's more there about this news with stefan gilmore so Lots to get to. We'll ask some of that, too, to Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com when he joins us at 5. We'll have the crossover to wrap up the show. And Lincoln Kennedy, again, joining us at 4. When we come back, the Major League Baseball playoff started last night. Yankees and Red Sox, the rivalry renewed. Not much of a game. Boston dominated. We'll talk about that and the chances for the Red Sox against the Rays. We'll do that when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK.
2: Here's the pitch, and he swings and drives one to center field and deep. Gardner going back, looking off. Goodbye, home runs, Ender Bogarts, 2 nothing, Red Sox.
0: Well, last night, we had the Yankees and the Red Sox, and, of course, Boston has moved on. Boston moves on. They will face the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, This game, really, I think, I wouldn't say was decided early, but this was proved to be a very, very critical play early in the game. I was looking for the home run by Bogarts, Chris. Oh, I didn't hear it. Yeah. That's my fault. My fault. I didn't
1: have the right uh, thing on for
0: you. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I wondered. I wondered. I, I paused there. Hopefully I didn't walk on it. No, you didn't. Know. You did it perfectly. That's why was I thought it? you heard it. <laughs> That's funny. Just timing, just timing. Well, that that play was, was critical there by Bogarts because it just set the tone. It put him ahead 2 nothing. And if you think about the different things that happened in the game, um, I mentioned earlier the walks, the amount of mistakes there via the Yankees pitching staff. I mean, seven walks in the game, and it was kind of collectively through. But that first one was a two-strike, 3-2 and two to Devers uh, in the early part of that inning, right? Two outs, and then the home run to Bogarts, and it's 2 nothing. That sets the tone. Schwarber got to Garrett Cole in the next inning, so now it's 3 nothing, And the Yankees now are doing a term I like to say, chasing the game. And they are more than capable of coming back. I felt it was important. I said to myself, if the Yankees can keep them at 3, I think they can win the game. And the Rizzo home run made it 3-1. Uh, that's the same inning where Judge got on, Stanton hit his second one off the wall, and certainly I know Arod, who was calling the game, thought that was a huge mistake the Yankees made. I appreciate teams that are aggressive. I think that's the way you got to approach sports. It was risky, but the Red Sox had to make all the right plays. I mean, that ball bounced a little awkwardly off the wall. Even the throw in, I know they said it was a perfect relay. Well, was it Hernandez who threw it in? It, it still one-hopped into the infield, and then that throw was great, and Judge was out. I mean, it was it was all needed to happen the way it did. Otherwise, that's 3-2. Yankees momentum, runner on second, one out. Instead, obviously a critical out at the plate, and the Yankees opportunities uh, pretty much dwindled after that. You also think about the park you play in, and, you know, the Yankees park, short porch, right field, sometimes there's pop-ups that go out. You think, man, that's not a home run in any other place. I thought about... Stanton's night last night I mean Stanton we made fun of it earlier The the time I had the trigger fingers the time that you know John Sterling the voice of the Yankees uh, called a home run that wasn't a home run he thought it was out that's out of just about every park it's out everywhere but not at Fenway his second one the one that was the play at the plate was definitely out everywhere so there's two home runs he likely has and then the last one I'm not sure is a home run anywhere but Fenway so it, it was it was a little bit odd as far as the Yankees' offense goes. But it, this is more about Boston. This was about what the Red Sox did and did right. Um, they made the Yankees swing and miss a lot. They weren't wild. They didn't have many walks at all throughout the night. Let me see what their walk total was. Yeah, it was zero. I, I thought they had one. They had zero. Zero walks. So now you're making the Yankees put the ball in play. Well, the Yankees are homer or a strikeout. They were getting strikeouts. Only gave up, I say only, but two home runs. But two home runs can be six runs if you got runners on. They didn't have any runners on. So they were two solo shots. Not a big deal. The Yankees' walks put the Red Sox with runners in motion, runners on base, less than two outs. They were getting big hits. And they were in trouble in a lot of innings. And Boston made him pay. Let's hear some reaction from this one, too. First from the uh, manager of Boston, Alex Cora, really talking about how much he enjoys the postseason.
2: This is what you... You want to be a big league manager. Um, I just got lucky that, you know, in 18, you know, I had a great team and and we did what we did. Uh, Obviously, 19 didn't go the way we wanted and 20, we all know what happened, you know. But uh, to be able to to play in October uh, is, you know, we're we're blessed, you know, we're we're lucky.
0: And they were great last night. Was that an admission?
1: Uh, Yeah. He said in 2018, we did what we
0: did. Hmm. i'll go with that chris i think we can call it an admission admission of guilt guilty guilty um i hope it comes out that they cheated last night (laughs) yeah yeah um and i think about they were talking about their record last year i know last year as he said was you know 2020 was a weird year it was less games and you know baseball what could they have done over 162 i don't know but they were below 500 team so that's why they came in with I didn't really think of them as, as a team that could get into the playoffs or how dangerous would the Red Sox be. Um, I don't love the totality of their pitching, but they got hitters. And yesterday, like I said, they, they kind of won a game in which the Yankees win, where Yankees are good at taking walks, getting working deep into counts, getting deeper into the bullpen, and instead it was Boston that did it. And for Garrett Cole to not have the night that the Yankees expected – It got them off the schedule, though the bullpen was pretty good for some chunks of innings. But now when you have to be great for seven out of the bullpen, that's asking a lot. And when the offense just wasn't producing enough, uh, that was the ultimate story of the game. As Boston gets the win, Yankees are out. So let's hear from Aaron Boone after the game.
2: When do you expect your situation to be addressed?
0: Uh, I don't know. Well, I don't
1: know. I have no idea. We'll see. Following up on that, do you expect to be back? I mean, obviously, you know, my contract's up and I haven't had any conversations with anyone about
2: that. So we'll see. I love being here. I love going to work with this group. Love going to work with this group of players. But, you know, we'll see.
0: And and hearing that, to me, you know, different than when we played Jace Tingler earlier, that was about a regular season performance, right? They weren't a playoff team. They were last year. But this year they they underperformed. And maybe in some eyes the Yankees did. I I think it's a little bit of the way the roster has been constructed. It's kind of an all or nothing. And when they're on, I said it yesterday, I think the Yankees are good enough to win the World Series. Well, they've also been incredibly streaky. And some nights just look okay. I thought last night they just looked okay. Not like a, a great team. In one night, that's fine. But now you're looking over the long term in series. And are you winning more series than not? And they won a lot of games. And Tampa, though, is more complete. They're in their division, and they lost all sorts of players. And here they go winning 100 games. And with Toronto getting seemingly better with some high-level talent, Boston having the season they did and knocking you out, Baltimore still the one that others are, are trying to beat up on. The division is good, and the Yankees are a part of it. They're good, but they're not great. And what do the Yankees usually do when something like that happens? they go and get the best available free agent. I would anticipate them. I mean, think about what they added during the season. I mean, to get Rizzo, to get Gallo, these are mainstays on the Rangers and on the Cubs, and now they're just thrown into the Yankees lineup, and it wasn't enough. So I don't know. To me, it's not about whether or not you think Aaron Boone can do it, because I think he can. But if you're I, – I guess my point would be this. Last night didn't do anything to change my opinion of Aaron Boone. Now, if the Yankees are already in that spot where you didn't love them, then move on. Then get a new manager. But I don't think it's managing that's the problem with the Yankees. I don't even know that there's a big issue. It's it's just fit. It's a subtle tweak. What's a pitcher that's going to connect a little bit better, be able to handle New York, and can you get a few more table setters? I mean, the other part about this team, um, you know, McVoy was out. Um, you had LeMahieu, who was a big part of what their success in the past – The guy who could win a batting title hasn't been the same player. So they're out. Boston moves on, and we get that situation now in the National League tonight with the Cardinals and the Dodgers coming up with the Giants awaiting the winner. We'll give you a preview of the Cardinals and the Dodgers and a reminder coming up at 4, Lincoln Kennedy will join us for his weekly visit. We'll get into some Raiders football and some other NFL things with Lincoln as we continue right here on Sports 1140 KHTK. All right, back here on Sports 1140 KHDK, Jason Ross here with you. Kings basketball coming up tonight as uh, the G-Man will have the call. We look forward to that. Kings and Clippers from Los Angeles. And again, coming up uh, shortly after 4 o'clock, Lincoln Kennedy, weekly visit with Big Link as he will join us, get his perspective on uh, what went wrong on Monday uh, for the Raiders against the Chargers because remember the other thing the Raiders were saying, understandably, too, I mean, perfect start, 3-0, and but um, going in was we got to start faster, got to start faster. And then they had that half. It was brutal. So we'll talk to Lincoln about that. Tonight, the National League takes center stage with the National League wild card, and before that gets underway, there's a couple things to take note of, and that is the Giants who are awaiting the winner of the Cardinals and the Dodgers. The Giants made an announcement today, which I think this one makes sense. I remember probably two to three months back, maybe two months back, when the Dodgers and Giants were in a race, and they were all the way through. But I thought, man, if if the Giants get into that one game, have to play 163 or the wild card or a game where you you have to win, who are they going to start? Who's their staff ace? And early on, halfway through, right, it was Gossman. Gossman had an incredible first half. Fizzled in the second half, but the guy who was most consistent was Webb. Logan Webb had a really good year. And so, he's going to get rewarded with that really good year. Those first two games at home against the Cardinals or the Dodgers, the Giants announced today that Logan Webb will start game one. Kevin Gossman will start game two. So, I think that makes a lot of sense. Not surprised by that as the Giants make that announcement. By the way, also still another opportunity for all of you out there to go to khdk.com right now or sometime today and participate in our Daily Over Under. And today's Daily Over Under is regarding the national league wild card game and i think it was over under four and a half runs for the dodgers tonight and last i had seen on that poll question it was 50 50 between the over and the under on that so you can just participate click over if you think it's more than four and a half under if you think it's less and uh, your chance all you have to do is do that and you will be entered for a chance to win a 50 dollar gift certificate to twin peaks right here in town so just participate in our daily over-under. Chris, if you were to participate in that, the over-under Dodgers, four and a half runs tonight, what do you say? Under. Oh, under. Yeah. Well, that's because you're 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 thinking Cardinals today, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Uh, this one's going to be fun because of, one, the pitching matchups. The other thing that's been talked about a lot is this game starting at 5 o'clock in Los Angeles. And, no, not all the jokes about how late will Dodger fans be because they will be. But it's about the view, the vantage point. It's funny um, the
1: bleachers are always uh, there. Just they're to miss ready. The stadium,
0: yeah, hmm. like the best seats, the people behind home plate, the people down the first and third base lines. Where's the best place, by the way, Chris? For you to I, I I don't think I've seen one major league baseball game in my life right behind home plate or close enough like that. Put it this way, where you could see me on TV. I guess if you were, you know, that that shot that we always get from center field. I've never been in that seat, but. Um, I kind of like the baselines, um, no matter where you know how how low or high you are. Where, where's been your best location to watch a baseball game?
1: Uh, yeah, I'd say the baseline. Like there was a game, like it was an afternoon game, this was, like three or four years ago with the A's and Rangers, where we got there and they're like super cheap tickets and it was like mm-hmm. twenty bucks and we're like three rows behind the Rangers dugout. That was pretty good.
0: I think it also depends on. As a fan, how into the game are you? Now, this is playoffs, so this is different. Hopefully, you're invested in the team you're there to watch. But I've been to some games at random parks that, you know, I don't have an allegiance to either team. And i got to say, I've really enjoyed myself in the outfield. Because uh, just, there's a different breed out there.
1: The last time I went to a Giants game, I spent the entire game at the center field bar. Okay. I didn't and? even go to my seat.
0: Okay. I had oh, a great so time. Ever, yeah, where was your seat that night? Or that day? Uh, Bleachers. Okay. Yeah, I think um, I know my first experience ever at Old Yankee Stadium, which was the final year it was open and I wanted to get out there. We sat in the, uh, with the Bleacher Creatures or whatever and did roll call. I didn't even know about all that stuff. I'm like, this place is crazy. Same with Fenway. Just different uh, lifeblood out there. And I know the Ace fans, they're pretty unique out there with the drums and the The Voodoo Zellas or whatever else they have out there—that is a different kind of experience than, you know, sitting in the super expensive Marlins Man seats, basically, right, right behind home plate and checking out a game that way. But tonight, the things to watch for, obviously, is is back to what I had said yesterday: how long can these pitchers go? And National League, it's it's done differently with these pitchers batting. Um, I'm sure the Dodgers' mo, from what I've heard too, is not only is it Scherzer is the starter, but all hands on deck, and that means they're going to go, if they have to, to someone like Walker Bueller. I mean, that's a nice addition. If for whatever reason it gets a little shaky or wobbly or a high-leverage situation, and Dave Roberts thinks, okay, i got to get Scherzer out of here. Let's go to Bueller to get us out of this mess. Because they're not looking to the Giants yet. You've got to win and then plan accordingly. The Giants, that's the luxury they have, as I just told you. They can go with Logan Webb, confirm that, start him game one, and confirm that they're going Kevin Gossman, and then kind of, Plan after that, the Dodgers have to worry about the Cardinals. How do we beat them? How do we slow down, kind of this grittiness of a lineup that has all sorts of different types of players that that can bother you, whether that's someone like at the back end of the lineup, Dylan Carlson. Certainly, O'Neill and Arenado and Goldschmidt are guys that can just mash um, when they were in their hot streak. It, it was everybody that was contributing. Bader was a big part of what they were doing. You know, Yadi Molina and his experience uh, will be a huge part of potentially timely at-bats for him. It, it's a team that maybe not enough people have followed throughout the season, but when you get to as many wins in a row at the end in, at winning time, you're good. Now, the Dodgers, conversely, Looking at the top of their order, the way they're setting this up, talking about the team getting healthier even without Max Muncy. They're going Betts first, followed by Seager, who had just such an amazing postseason. Then the guy who always seems to be up. Actually, they're batting him fourth. This is Trey Turner at third, batting third, and then Justin Turner fourth. In his career with the Dodgers, I feel like he always gets the big hits, and he always is up in that high-leverage situation. So that's just the first four guys they're throwing out there. I think at fifth they got Will Smith today, uh, Pollock's batting sixth. This is a lineup. Where do they put Bellinger today? Oh, he's not, it's, uh, eighth. Beattie's going to play first. They're going to bring Pujols off the bench. And Bellinger, who, who just forgot how to hit. I don't know what has happened to him this year, but you know he's got that ability to run into one, to barrel a fastball. And park it. it's just, he was brutal this year. Absolutely brutal to the point where they went through fighting through the slump multiple times to just, all right, we're just going to bench you for a while. And But that's the luxury of a team with that much talent to put him eighth. And this is still a lineup that's going to play without Muncie. So I, I think this game has a lot of storylines around it. I anticipate it being low scoring for a while. And then we'll see when it breaks through for the Cardinals. We said this yesterday, their best roadmap is to stay in it, get those veteran innings from Wainwright, and if you can get to that bullpen late in a game, in a close game, whether that's Trinan or specifically Jansen, in a game that he's either got to save or hang on or prevent a run from scoring, that's when I think Dodger fans would get nervous. So lots of things to watch for in this one. We'll see how it goes, and we will keep you up to date once they get started. And how are we going to keep them up to date? Oh, yeah, let's remind everybody. Chris? Uh, when something happens very well and very promising and, and exciting, and maybe even run scoring for the Cardinals, they'll hear this.
2: Pretty bird. Yeah, can you say pretty bird? Pretty bird.
0: Cardinals, yes, pretty bird. How about when something happens in a nice, productive way for the Los Angeles Dodgers? All right, Hamilton. And being that I am out at the arena, I don't know that I'll have uh Uh, Happy fingers, trigger fingers, and I don't know that I'm going to have the ability, Chris, to jinx the game today. As you said, I have been the jinx for the Yankees. Unfortunately, I don't make the rules. Okay. I I wish
1: it wasn't you. I'm telling you.
0: (laughs) But it was. We've established that it was me. All right. Next hour coming up. In the next hour, we will talk about what to watch for with the Sacramento Kings, go around the NBA as well, with the preseason continuing to roll along. And when we come back, though, NFL, Lincoln Kennedy stops by for his weekly visit. We check in with Lincoln when we come back here on Sports 1140 KHDK.